the doctrine of God and pronouns in the workplace? What's the connection? Stay tuned and find out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is Podcast 81, Podcast 081, where we have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we give you a bird's-eye view perspective of some complex issue confronting our culture, the church, and you as we seek to apply God's Word to make sense of it all. And at the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources for further study just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started. All right, so the doctrine of God and pronouns in the workplace, and, and really I think this whole shift that we've been seeing about what pronouns are supposed to be and how we're supposed to use them and when and all of those things, I think coming together, I love the fact that we're going to tie this together with really systematic theology and really put these current events into uh, into a perspective with our, our theology. Um, and I think, you know, it's easy to get caught up in some of the the cultural push and pull and forget the connection between God and theology and the things that happen in our everyday life. Yeah, it's all too true, and it's sad, Mark, because we live in a biblically illiterate world in which many in the church just do not understand the relevance of this to their daily walk. The pronouns thing is kind of like a problem people wish would go away, or they try to ignore it, or they just accommodate it in the workplace. You know, I was just listening to the Elisa Childers podcast, and this is time for a shameless plug. We're having Elisa Childers speak here at the church in August at our women's conference, so put that on your calendars. Anyway, in her podcast, Elisa Childers mentioned a recent study, and I can't remember now if it was a Pew or a Barna study, that said 65% of Americans identify or self-identify as Christians, but only 6%, 6% hold a Christian worldview. More alarming than that, I suppose, is that that was the general population when that study drilled down deep into people who regularly attended church and identified as evangelical Christians, only 20% of regular church-going evangelical Christians held a biblical worldview. Not particularly thrilling news, is it? And for that reason, I believe our series has to intersect with daily life, and this is one of the theological issues that does collide with daily life. All right, yeah, I think that you're spot on with saying this. there's this intersection between our beliefs and, and what we read about in the Bible and what we hold to be true in our daily life. And so tie in this doctrine of God with pronouns in the workplace and maybe explain the whole concept of pronouns in the workplace just so everybody uh, knows kind of where we're coming from. Great idea, Mark. Let's start with the doctrine of God. We learn that God is, that he exists, we learned that God created all things. You see that in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and Hebrews eleven six, And we've learned that God is holy. That means he's entirely different than us. Holiness is a bucket or a word or a category that contains all of his attributes in a single word. Eternality, infinite perfections, merciful, just, graceful, wrathful, transcendent. You get the picture. Moreover, God, because of this, stands out as separate from his creation. And in some sense, we are to be like him, that is standing out. Now, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are told, be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Be holy for I am holy. 
we are to be conformed to his image, less so than we are conformed to the image of man in a fallen world. He calls us to be holy. And this theme of holiness and this theme of differentness shows up again and again in God's word. In Romans 12, 3 and forward, we read that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are to be conformed, as it says elsewhere in Colossians, to the image of his son. So this is part of the holiness thing. Also, we've learned that God is knowable and known to humanity. We see that in uh, Psalm 19. In the first few verses, it talks about natural revelation. And then the closing verses of Psalm 19, it talks about special revelation, where God is known to us through his word, and his word shapes and perfects us, matures us. In Romans 1:18 to 21, it talks about that God has revealed himself in nature through the handiwork of what has been made, but people, people suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So God has revealed his existence through nature and who he is and how he is through his word, the scriptures, and we are accountable for what we know, which brings us to what we've been talking about with the sovereignty of God through the lens of world events like the, the war in Ukraine or the incompetence and corruption of our own government leaders. And we understand, rounding up that uh, discussion of the sovereignty of God, that God works through even corrupt leaders like those who head our own government. We see in Genesis 50, 20, a parallel to what Moses said to his brothers then, to what we see now. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Or Romans 8, in Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. And God is revealing the corruption of our leadership. And everything from the war in Ukraine to the prices at the gas pump. And that's why we read in Isaiah 46.10 that God declares the end from the beginning, uh, that he will accomplish his perfect will, his counsel will stand, and that human beings cannot escape his authority. God has a purpose and a will for everything. Okay, so we can see, you know, and I think we've talked about in these previous podcasts as well, that God does have this will and a purpose for everything. Uh, but tie this in now, I guess, to the pronouns piece, the thing that uh, I think is probably uh, something that's going to trip up a lot of Christians uh, in the workplace. Sure. Right now, there's a lot of pressure in the workplace to conform to the latest cultural perversions of gender, gender fluidity, transgenderism, and all the unnatural arbitrary designations of a fallen world and all the peculiar categories it can muster. But here's the problem. It's all a game of smoke and mirrors. It's a manipulation and redefinition of language preloaded with all kinds of presuppositions and relativistic thinking. Sex and gender are the same. They've always been the same until recently. And a biological male is a male, and a biological female is a female, and a biological male is a he, just like a biological female is a she. Now, lately, society's been trying to redefine all this, but follow the science. If you died and were mummified 100 years from now or 1,000 years from now when they found your body, scientists would say, you're a male. They'd look at your bone structure, your DNA. They'd look at everything and, and, and make a valid scientific determination. Now, what they wouldn't know were your preferences, what kind of music you preferred, what your preferred favorite color was, or what sex or gender you wished you were. They couldn't know your preferred foods or your preferred pronouns or your preferred political preferences. Okay, so how does that all tie in uh, to these pronouns and, and really 
pronouns in the workplace, kind of what we titled this podcast. How do these all those kind of ideas tie together? Well, let's think through this. Work with me on this. What you are and what you wished you were are not the same. What you are and what you prefer are not the same. No one in the workplace is forced to address you as Democrat Mark or Republican Mary or Progressive Stephen or Libertarian Louise. And if you tried to force them to address you in that way, the Human Resource Department would be all over you. And if you came to work dressed as the Statue of Liberty, how would that go? But we are making people, not we, but companies are allowing people to compel other people to address them because of their preferences or their imagination and penalizing those who don't play along. And legally speaking and morally speaking, they're violating a constitutional right to a freedom of conscience. But if I insist that you address my cat as a dog because I feel my cat at heart as a dog, you might try and make those rules in your home, but you cannot make them in the workplace. Okay, and so with that, with the fact that, you know, there's obviously uh, tension between what you can kind of force somebody to call you in the workplace and maybe at your house, where does theology come into play with this? Well, according to Jesus in the Bible, God created human beings with one gender, one sex. They're either male or female. In Genesis 5.1, it says this, This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made them... He made him in the likeness of God, male and female. He created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Then Jesus, in Matthew 19, 4 through 6, dealing with the matter of divorce and marriage and things like that, drills down on this and even clarifies it further. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, male and female, and therefore said, A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? There is man and woman, male and female, husband and wife in life, according to Jesus and according to marriage. And notice how Jesus, the Son of God and God the Son, references the Old Testament, Genesis 2.24, and even Genesis 5.2, in this passage in Matthew 19.4-6. So when a man wants to be addressed as if he is a woman, they can certainly pretend, but they should not be able to force you or others to pretend. They shouldn't be able to exercise authority over your conscience by imposing their will on your conscience. And they shouldn't make you violate the will of God or the word of God along the way. Should they make you call blue orange and orange blue? Should, the, should you be fired for refusing to go along with their choice of colors? That said, God has declared and defined the sexes, the genders. And as a believer, you should avoid propagating a lie or being complicit in imposing a lie on yourself or, some, or others, or participating or being complicit in someone's sin. God has defined things, and we should not try to undo or separate components and things that God has created to join together, which makes things more complicated in these gender-bending times in the workplace. Yeah, so it really sounds like what you're saying is that we shouldn't just play along with this. It's actually very dangerous for Christians to just kind of go along to get along, especially when it comes to this gender ideology theme. You're right, Mark. We have to remember that everything we say, think, or do is worship. And in Isaiah's time, Isaiah commented on people who play along or who conform to the wrong kinds of things. In Isaiah 5, 18 through 20, we read this, Woe to those who draw iniquity... Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as a cart with ropes. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, woe to those who call what is wrong right and what is right wrong, or who call a man a woman or a woman a man, who who plays ball with this whole gender thing. Okay, so I guess really the question that probably a lot of our listeners are asking right now, what are we to do then? As Christians in the workplace, we're kind of almost being forced to do this. And so, so what should we do? How should we respond? Well, Mark, we have to be, as the Bible says, as Jesus says, wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. We have to use our heads. Think about Daniel. In the book of Daniel, in his own way, you've got Daniel in the workplace. You've got to be like Daniel in the workplace. Like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you've got to find the right way to thrive in Babylon. You have to navigate the workplace with care and integrity. You've got to do your best to respect those in authority without compromising your faithfulness to God. Remember, Daniel and his companions did all that with humility, care, and without compromise. I believe that we can, too. All right, so how then? How do we do that? How do we get on a Zoom call or a WebEx uh, where everybody's listing their pronouns, they're talking about what they should be called and how you should address them, uh, and you're in a meeting with them? How do you get around that? Or even, you know, how do you write an email with somebody or even a situation that I had uh, back at San Jose State where I had employees that demanded me to address them in a certain way? How do we deal with that? And still keep our jobs. Well, let me answer the last question first. Most people won't like the answer. It's not about keeping your job. It's about honoring God. You know, we, we say, be one, bring one, build one here at our church. Part of being one is being a person of integrity, of living out our faith in a compelling way. And that means being like Daniel and his friends. Now, notice that Daniel and his friends not only almost lost their lives, but they almost lost their jobs. Losing your job may become unavoidable, but until that unavoidable day comes, you have to be as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. You've got to be cagey, for lack of a better word. Okay, so then how do you do that? Well, what's a pronoun? (laughs) What do you mean, what's a pronoun? What is a pronoun? A pronoun is a part of speech that substitutes for nouns or noun phrases and designates persons or things asked for with with a shorter word instead of the proper noun or name to avoid the repetition of using the name over and over again. A proper noun can be a person's name. So a pronoun is sort of a a placeholder that takes its place to abbreviate the sentence or keep things short. Okay, I think I see where you're headed. And this is actually a tactic that I did use uh, at San Jose State when I had uh, the instance of an employee who was uh, informing me that they are a different gender than the way they presented. Um, And it's really this suggestion to just simply use the individual's name, right? That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about in those cases where the, somebody changes their name? Like, say they went from uh, William to Wilma or something of that nature. Well, here's, the, here's how that works. Typically, a company has people call each other by their legal name rather than an alias. So if someone had changed their name from William to Batman, then I'd call them Batman, their legal name. Uh, it, we call William Bill. I think we get all that. So a person can change their name, but they can't change who they are. Nevertheless, go with their legal name. That may sound a bit repetitive. Well, William said this, and William said that, and there's no he or she or whatever. But this is a way to avoid that trap by sticking with their legal name. It may make things 
more wordy, but I would just tell you this. Sometimes when people are throwing around him and her, you don't know which him and her they're talking to, and so your communication would be no less clear, and this might be a way to facilitate that being wise as a serpent or as gentle as a dove. Okay, so then what do we do when somebody challenges us on that? Well, you want to be clear. That's this. You just want to you just want to be clear and say, "Look, I I'm just trying to be clear. Uh, this is what their name is, and I'm just calling them by their name." Now, again, even Daniel and his friends, despite their best efforts, had to uh, had their scrapes and almost lost their lives and I guess their jobs. But seriously, what's the alternative? Following God or men? This, there is no such thing as a foolproof strategy. But what we have here is a strategy, stick with their legal name and avoid the use of pronouns. And in the end, uh, remember that God has a plan and he causes all things to work together for good, even if you have to lose your job. But as Peter writes, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. That means we have to be prepared. We have to be prayed up. We have to be thought through. That would include talking to your spouse about the costs of being faithful. It would also involve not looking for trouble, just humbly bearing witness at work quietly, faithfully, humbly, prepared, just like Daniel and his friends. Yeah, I think that's such a key piece, that preparation. Uh, and, and I think you said it, you know, being prayed up, being read up. Uh, so we're thinking biblically. Uh, we all, you know, have these things that we're going to go through that are going to really challenge how we think and how we respond. And really the only way to stay ready is to stay prayed up, to stay, re- to stay read up in our Bibles so that we can be always ready in season, out of season, because we don't always see these things coming and we need to be ready when they do so we can respond biblically. That's right. I completely agree. We have to be ready. And, and w- that means we're not looking for trouble. We're looking to honor God. We're looking to benefit others. We're looking to grow. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like further resources, visit us at online at www.gracetoliveradio.org and click the podcast resource button. If you'd like to ask me a question, you can email, email me at keith at hillside.org. Uh, learn more about Hillside Church at www.hillside.org. You can watch our worship services online at the same website or worship with us in person at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 every Sunday. Do us a favor to hit the podcast subscribe button. That will make sure that our podcasts are downloaded automatically. And please give us a review. Share us with other people. We're trying to expand this podcast and to minister to as many people as we can. Well, this is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler saying, God bless you and God keep you.